Hi, I'm Monsignor Jim Losanti. This week on Personally Speaking, my guest is Shannon Bream. You know her as an anchor at Fox News, but she's also written a great new book called Women of the Bible Speak. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Shannon Bream joins me now. Shannon is the anchor of Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream and is the chief legal correspondent for the Fox News Channel. Shannon graduated magna cum laude from Liberty University and received her law degree from Florida State University's College of Law. It was at Liberty University that Shannon met her future husband, Sheldon, and they've been married for 25 years. Shannon has said that amid the troubling news of the world, her faith is her greatest comfort and hope. In her latest book, The Women of the Bible Speak, Shannon introduces us to 16 women of the Bible, reflecting not only on the meaning of each individual's life and how central they were to God's story in the Bible, but also how they relate to each other and to us. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Fox News anchor Shannon Bream. Shannon Bream, many of you know her, of course, from her work on Fox News, but we're talking today specifically about a book that Shannon has written, her second book. This one is called The Women of the Bible Speak, the subtitle, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Uh, Shannon, first question is going to be a little left field, but uh, while I'm reading your book and I'm loving it, you're talking about the specific gifts that women bring into the world of spirituality, and I especially like the dynamics between Jesus and women. Uh, one of these human rights folks from New York City comes out and says, there's no such thing anymore as gender. Well, I got to tell you, one of the things I love about the women you write about is there is something distinct, wonderful, beautiful, unique about the dignity and identity of women as women. And, and you, you write about that beautifully. What do you make then when you're writing a book about the, the greatness of the spirituality of women? When we're living in an age when people say there's no distinction anymore, there's no gender. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, these women have unique gifts here. And what I think is so beautiful, too, is this this goes to the myth that people say that women were second class citizens or weren't important in the Bible, that they didn't have special things to bring to the table. Um, so many of these stories we've heard from the perspective of the male, I think about Abraham and Sarah, uh, one of the most influential, um, you know, lives of all time, these uh, folks who lived. But this time we hear the story more from Sarah's perspective. Um, and so I think just, just being able to see that um, there are differences and that there are um, unique giftings for these women. Um, they Some of them were, um, you know, elites of the day, somebody like Queen Esther, who went through um, being an orphan and rising to this most unlikely place. Um, to other women who are flawed that we wanted to include in the book to show that, listen, we're all flawed and God can use all of us and work through us, um, like Tamar and Rahab, who have some rather scandalous uh, parts to their lives. Um, but I thought important to include uh, that chapter you mentioned with Jesus and the women as well to see that um, he relates to them in a way that that did not as stick to the norms of the day. He was very much somebody who had women as part of his inner circle. They studied with him. They were friends. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful thing to see how uh, God, through human form and and um, through his heavenly form, relates to these women and, and exalts them as cherished and special. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Shannon, I want to ask you, one of the chapters I love best in the book is about an old favorite of mine. That's Ruth. Now, mm-hmm. Ruth, of course, does not come to uh, into the world as a, as a person believing in the God of Israel. She is a, a Moabite. But I mentioned that to you because you and I know that we're living in an age where uh, so much of the division, the violence, the terror is rooted in people believing their God is the only God. Your God is wrong. I have the right, therefore, to strike out against you. It, it, the richness of what you wrote about when you wrote about Ruth is the savior of the world, Jesus, traces his roots to a person who the world at that time would have considered to be a, a pagan, an idolater. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there's a beauty in that and saying, uh, can we look at each other wherever we're coming from in terms of belief and recognize that any path to God is a good path? And, and how do we get back to that now? How do we get to a point where God shows, chooses Ruth, of all people, a Moabite, and, and, and she becomes the founder of the savior of the world? Uh, what do you make of our divisions mm-hmm. in terms of faith today? Yeah, I love that you bring up Ruth's story. It's such a great example because we have her as part of the chapter of outsiders. And you describe that so well, how she wasn't somebody who was part of the Israelites originally, but those beautiful words from her story that we hear in so many marriage ceremonies about your people will be my people, your God will be my God, because she elected to follow her widowed mother-in-law when she was widowed too of the son of Naomi. Um, They decided to travel this path together. And there's a beautiful love story between her and Boaz and how she's grafted into the family, which we all feel that way, that at some point we are grafted into this family of Christ. And I love that, as you note, she's part of the lineage and, um, you know, what brings us to Christ. Um, We do have divisions. I think for me, I think about people, we are all created in the image of God. I think Mm -hmm. if we can start with that premise and just have at least basic respect for each other, whether we agree or disagree, there's no one on this planet you're going to agree with 100% on everything. So we have to find a way to treat each other with that respect that there is divine in each of us and that God knows each of our names. He knows the hairs on our head. He cares about the person you think is your worst enemy. He just does. (laughs) And we are called, I mean, you know, the the commands of Christ to, um, to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit, but to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's not always an easy thing to do, but we are called to it. And it means that you treat someone um, with the same respect and care that you would establish for your own life. Yeah, that's the truth. You know, in reading your book and for our listeners and watchers around the country, The Women of the Bible Speak by Shanna Bream, in reading your book, you you become conscious of the special role of women, their dynamics, their, their gifts, their abilities. I mentioned that because whether it's in my Catholic faith or in so many Protestant faiths, in all religions, actually, though, this tends to be, if we're honest, Shannon, a tendency to see women as secondary, mm-hmm. um, not to give them the leadership positions they might very, very easily fill with special and unique gifts. What do you make of all that? Like, why is it that almost all institutional religion around the world has... Um, uh, how do I put this nicely, has sometimes seen women as second-class citizens mm-hmm. and not given them the leadership roles that they should have when clearly God's special and unique relationship with mm-hmm. women indicates the way in which he prizes women. Mm-hmm. So true. And, you know, I think that this book with several of the women we feature, people will have their eyes opened, hopefully to that and see that. I yeah. love the story of Deborah in the Old Testament. She was a judge. She was the leader of the nation of Israel. If you don't think women uh, can be leaders, God made them leaders all throughout God's word. Yeah, right. um, and we all have different roles that we're called to and things that we are uh, parts we're supposed to play. But for Deborah, I mean, she was there in a moment when the Israelites were being terribly mistreated by the Canaanites. 
And God said, go into battle against them. And she calls Mm. up her general Barak and says, God's told me we're supposed to go into battle against the Canaanites. And listen, on paper, that made no sense. Even her general hesitates and says, I'll do it if you go with me, but if you don't go, I'm not going. I mean, he was refusing to go without her. So Deborah ends up leading the nation into battle um, because she was obedient and faithful. Um, But she also said to that general, because of the way you're handling this, your hesitancy, the opposing general, the bad guy on the other side, Sisera is actually going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. And mm-hmm. when I was younger, I used to think that was Deborah, but it's actually JL. There's more to that story. Um, but clearly we see that God has anointed and revered women all throughout the Bible. Deborah's just one example. Yes. Shannon Breen's our guest. Shannon, you know, years ago, it's before your time because you're a kid, but years ago, <laughs> years ago, there was a great football player named Mark Bavaro and the New York Giants. And when he would, uh, he was tight end, when he would catch his football, he'd, he'd genuflect and thank God for the uh, the gift. I mentioned that because Sports Illustrated magazine came out with an editorial that said, uh, Mr. Bavaro, um, play football, keep your faith to yourself. <laughs> I mentioned that because here's Shannon, who is a respected attorney as well as journalist, and she's writing a book about faith. And no matter how much you might try to hide it, somebody gets a sense that Shannon's a believer. You better get back to hiding that, Shannon. But I, <laughs> I mentioned that, like, do you find that there's a risk in in you saying, I am a journalist, I am, I'm an attorney, uh, I'm an objective reporter, but I also have a spiritual point of view and I'm unafraid of sharing that. By sharing it, do you put yourself at risk? You know what? I think if I do, it's worth it. I mean, my <laughs> my faith is supposed to be for me and I work on every day, keeping it the central part of my life. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to get caught up in this world and how it defines success with likes on social media and what you do for a living and how much you make all those things. And I realized that's all sinking sand. It's all shifting sand. It doesn't matter when it stands up against eternity. And so listen, there are times when I'm scared and I'm seeking the approval of the world or want to make a decision that I think will make people happy. But I also have to know that it's about my heavenly father. And um, if I'm in good standing with him, um, then I can have peace. And the rest of it is going to fall away at some point anyway. Yeah. I like that very much. Thank you for that honesty. Shannon, there's another story about a woman in the Bible I wanted to get your read on because you've obviously prayed about and studied this. The Canaanite woman who comes on to Jesus and says she needs help, and he says to her, according to the Bible, I'm here for the children of Israel, not for the dogs of other lands. And of course, you know, she challenges him and says, even the dogs are entitled to the scraps that fall from their master's tables. What's going on in that story in your mind? Is Jesus really insensitive to the need of someone who's not sharing his faith? Or is this his way of teaching us that uh, I'm here for everybody? Yeah. And I think his overall message is so clear in that. I think about the Samaritan woman too, at the well, and the fact that the Jews and the Samaritans, they, there was no getting along. There was great enmity between those two. And um, so Jesus, you know, he traveled, uh, many Israelites would, and Jewish people would travel away from Samaria. So they would have no interaction whatsoever. And I love that he goes to that well, he knows exactly who's going to be there. The Samaritan woman who's going in the heat of the day, because she's living such a life of shame that she doesn't go when the other women go, when it's cooler in the morning. She goes by herself. So here he is talking to a woman alone, which again was not the norm of the day for this um, esteemed rabbi or religious teacher, even if the people of the time, some believed he was the son of God, some didn't, even in his position just as an esteemed teacher, he wouldn't have been alone talking with a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of the fact that he goes to people, regardless of who they are, their gender, their background, their ethnicity, that he was there. um, We're told he comes to seek 
take and save the lost. And I think that's all of us at some point. So we see him reach across all kinds of divides. And I think it's important to see that he went um, to people who were outcast and unlovable or not the right person that you should be talking with. And he wanted to take the gospel message uh, to everyone. I believe that he died on the cross for every single person who will come to him. Please stay with us. We'll be back with more of our interview with Fox News anchor Shannon Bream in just a moment. Uh, Started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Losanti. I'm joined by Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream, and the author of a great new book called The Women of the Bible Speak. Shannon Bream has written a book, The Women of the Bible Speak, and in there she talks about Mary Magdala, but also Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want to focus on that for a second. A number of times in the Bible, Shannon, uh, there's no other way to put it. I mean, I, my, my mom's 100 years old, and I'm sure sometimes I give her a little lip, but she takes it from me in the same <laughs> way. In the same way, there's, there's moment after moment in the Bible where I know Jesus loves Mary, but, uh, you know, uh, woman, what does this concern of yours have to do with me when she says, help this couple at the wedding feast of Cana? Or when she goes to visit him and they say, hey, your mother's outside the tent. And he says, who's my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Anyone who does the will of my father is my mother. And my point is that so many times, he seems to be a little dissy about his mom, mm-hmm. who nonetheless is ever faithful, ever true. Um, what does that tell us about relationships between children and their moms? <laughs> that they're tricky, even if your child is divine. And a lot of people think their kids are, and they're yeah. not. Uh, it's always tricky. I think about, too, when um, they had been in Jerusalem, they left, and they've been traveling for a couple of days before they realized Jesus wasn't with them. They are you know, frantic, of course, as any parent would be. They run back. It takes some time. They finally find Jesus teaching in the temple where everybody's hanging on his every word, so impressed by his knowledge. Um, and she's like, Hey, uh, I've been terrified. I'm your mom. What what's going on here? And he <laughs> he says to her, "Don't you know I have to be about my father's business?" Like, yes, yes. This very matter of fact, twelve year old, thirteen year old. I can't remember the exact age of Jesus then, um, but I think that there was very much. Um, she knew from the beginning clearly this was a divine assignment. She was giving birth to the Son of God. Yeah. Um, but I think as any mother, there were real world things like getting your kid fed and getting them educated and doing whatever. That yeah. I think there were moments that there had to be reminders. To her that he's here about a bigger mission to save humanity. Um, and, and I think we see that she in her humanness very much was about the task of being an earthly mother. And there had to be times when she forgot about the, the heavenly part of his assignment yeah. as well. Shannon Bream's argues, Shannon, you know, uh, we still live in a culture that very much thingifies people and uh, looks and youth are certainly glorified. I mention that because, as I, I said in the introduction to our show today, that uh, you come from a background where uh, you had entered contests uh, that were beauty pageants and, and did amazingly, wonderfully well. I mention that, though, because 
great as it is to be as good looking as you are, <laughs> has that has that kept you sometimes from people saying she's not just a look? There's there's much more here in the mind and the soul. Like, how do you get taken seriously when you have the the gift, the accidental gift of beauty? Yeah, listen, it's genetics. You try to do the best you you can with what your father and mother and and the good Lord have given you. Right. Um, I, and I do think at times, um, listen, I would I would never. Um, want to say that it was a negative, um, except for in the, I think it's a positive when people underestimate you. I mean, I saw that as a young attorney, um, when I was in practice and those kinds of things where people will say, tell Mr. Bream that I'm here for the deposition. And I'd say it's Mrs. Bream and I'll, I'll, I'll let her know it's me where you're here. It's, it's the meeting. Um, so I think sometimes youth and, and, uh, what somebody would consider physical attractiveness and that's so subjective, um, can be used actually as a good thing because people don't don't expect you to be a lawyer or to to be um, you know somebody that has more depth. But I think too, the older I get, the more I I grow to appreciate that true beauty and wisdom. Um, you know, we hear about this all through Proverbs, and I think of Proverbs thirty one, the kind of woman um, mm-hmm. that is to be esteemed as somebody um, that is beautiful inside, that is in service to God with her life. And um, I think about a friend that I have who you know she's got physical uh, challenges, um, some would say um, some deformities, but she is truly the most beautiful person. When I think about beauty, she just Mm -hmm. radiates God. She is full of his light. Um, She honestly never talks about what she's struggling with physically, but she's the person I've called in some of the worst moments of my life where I just needed to cry. I needed spiritual counsel. I needed help. Um, Because in my mind, she is absolutely the most beautiful person that I know along with my mother, same thing. Isn't that terrific? Good for you. There's an actor, Kyle MacArthur, who was on our program a while ago. He's an actor on Broadway. But I mentioned that because Kyle went to a place called Regis High School, uh, taught by Jesuits. And I said, you know, well, you're made to think like the Jesuits. And he said something interesting. He said, you know, Father, what the Jesuits do is they they teach you how to think, not what to think. I mentioned mm-hmm. that because coming from your background where Liberty University is sometimes dismissed as a place of religious propaganda. Um, what was your experience of Liberty? And were you taught what to think or how to think? Such a great question. I love that you asked. Um, I got a business degree there after, like many kids, changing my major three or four times. Um, And I had a wonderful experience because uh, the classroom was challenging and the classwork was challenging. And I got a degree that has served me very well. But at the same time, there were spiritual relationships and guidance that were given all along Mm. the way. Um, You're able to take so many classes. and, And honestly, for me, it would be a dream to go to seminary and really learn things more in depth and with texture and layers. to them, but you get so much of that at Liberty. I was one class away from a theology minor because I was able to take so many biblical study classes there, but also my professors didn't see me as just another number. I mean, they knew about my life. They knew about my family. They knew when I was having trouble, they were there to intervene. And so um, it was much more a place about relationship and family, a spiritual family too. lifelong friends. I met my husband there. So I'm always going to be thankful for that. Um, but I, I, to me, I didn't, I felt like it was an excellent education and they've continued to add so many programs and courses of study and, uh, medical schools and all kinds of things since I've been mm-hmm. at the law school. And, um, it's an outstanding institution that's, you know, accredited by every other institution out there that, uh, digs into colleges and makes sure they're serving their students. Right. Um, but I just feel so blessed that the spiritual component was just as important. 
Shannon Bream's our guest. Her book is The Women of the Bible Speak. Shannon, uh, none of us come from a perfect family. I often ask questions when I'm giving a talk at a conference. Who here comes from a perfect family? If somebody <laughs> raises their hand, I say, you need to see me for confession. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I mention that because when you look at your family of origin, uh, specifically your folks, what did they do right in raising you? You know what? My parents uh, are part of the statistics and that they divorced when I was very young. Okay. But what they modeled for me is they, and they were so young, my goodness. I think about that now, um, wow. what they went through, but both of them individually made a decision and collectively together that they would uh. never speak ill of each other in front of me, whatever uh. disputes and trouble they had. It was really unique because I had friends whose parents were divorced who were at each other's throats all the time and they didn't hide it from the kids. Right. And my parents were so purposed to be united and raising me and about decisions about education and discipline and all of those things. And they both wound up growing so much spiritually that as adults, they were very strong believers. My father's now passed away, but my mom is truly the, the most devout believer I probably know. Wow. So, um, you know, the, my family was like many and that it was, it was split that way, but here's the thing. They were so respectful of each other and united in what they wanted to do with me. They both remarried wonderful, wonderful. Um, I had a wonderful, stepmother who's now uh, passed away as well. And I've got a great stepdad who's still with us, mm. but they, they were so good about everything. They sat together at my graduations and at all celebrations. Wow. When I got married, my dad and my stepfather both walked me down the aisle. I mean, oh, oh, to, to, to see the, the, um, you know, humility and sacrifice that both those men were willing to make. So I didn't have to choose between them just yeah. illustrates um, the blessing of the kind of family I came from. You know, that's, I wish we could bottle what your parents did because the idea, look, every marriage can't make it, but so many folks make war and use their kids as pawns. And uh, your, your parents clearly had a much better vision. What a wonderful way to, to work it out for your sake. Mm -hmm. um, you, you were really blessed. Uh, I promise I'm going to wrap soon, but I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, you know, we had years ago, I don't know if you remember the guy, Monty Hall, who was the host of Let's Make a Deal. Oh, yes. And I said to Monty, you know, the truth is that I think most believers, when they pray, pray that way. Let's make a deal, God. And, <laughs> uh, and yet we're called on by the, the Lord's Prayer to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right. I mentioned that because you fall in love with this wonderful man, the man who's your husband, and he develops a brain tumor. Was there a time in your personal prayer, Shannon, where you shook your your fist in God's face and said, what are you thinking? I think we all have moments like that. And thank God that he knows our hearts and our minds. He knows our frailties as humans. Um, he is forgiving. He is compassionate. He knows how we suffer. I think about um, even with Jesus, when we, we think about Mary and Martha, when they were calling for him to, uh, to come save Lazarus and he ended up dying and we're told about Christ had so much compassion when he saw how much they had suffered when he showed up, mm -hmm. um, we see, uh, Jesus wept, we're told in John. Um, so we know that he knows our, our struggles and our pain. Um, and I think it's, it's easy sometimes to ask why when we're put yeah. through things, but for me, my faith has always been the anchor to get me through those darkest moments. Uh, when I couldn't come up with an eloquent prayer or anything else, literally there are moments where I just said, God, please help me. God, please help me. Or Lord, please help me just over and over, not able to come up with anything fancier than that, but knowing that he heard me and knowing that um, he was walking me through those paths. Uh, Shannon, let me ask you something. I ask every couple I have a chance to do their wedding because it's always intriguing to me. You have out there a billion guys you could have married. <laughs> uh, if you had to recount for us, when you made that decision, Sheldon's the one I want to spend the rest of my life with. Why Sheldon? 
you know what? I had the wrong first impression of him when I met him because um, he was a baseball player and those guys always looked like they were probably having a little bit too much fun um, <laughs> and had, you know, all kinds of girls running around and that kind of thing. And I just thought he was sort of not marriage material, um, but I was about to graduate college and he asked me out and I thought he is very handsome. So I'll go and have this free dinner and we'll see how this thing goes. And from the very first date, I was blown away that this guy was not at all what I thought. I mean, he's so wow. close to his family, very deep faith of his own, just good to the core. And I think when you come across someone like that, you're like, this is absolutely husband material. Um, I just knew that he was genuine. There were no, we weren't playing any games. What he said was what he meant. He's a man of his word. And uh, ladies, I think if you find a guy like that, um, don't let him get away. That's the best. I, I hope he's listening and he hears how much you love him. I, let, let me close by asking you, um, I hope to get copies of this book from my sisters and so many uh, friends who are women who I think would benefit from your book. What, what is your target audience? Who would you like to get this book into their hands? You know, I've prayed for everybody who ends up touching this book and any copy in any way that they end up getting as a gift or borrowing it from a friend or buying it themselves, just that they'll be encouraged. Um, yeah. I want women to see that they are valued, that they are key players in God's story from beginning yeah. to end. Uh, and I, I just love that last chapter again, where Christ interacts with these women and we see such compassion yeah. um, telling them, you know, in the, in the case of the woman who was caught in adultery and was about to be stoned, yes. that famous line, you without sin cast the first stone and nobody's yes. left. That's us. None of us are left. And he says to her, you know, who's here to condemn you? And she says, no one. He says, neither do I now go and sin no more. That's always part of the message, Yes. but I don't condemn you. I have great compassion on you. And I want women to know that God sees them in their struggles, uh, that he does have great compassion. And as with many of these women in the book and yeah. in the Bible, you can make mistakes. We can get off course. God can still use it in his goodness and for his glory. And Shannon, for our listeners who want to pick it up, where is it available? You know what? Um, oh, thank God we have had trouble keeping it in stock in places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and that kind of thing. We're working on that and, and they're getting restocked. Um, if you want a personalized copy, you can go to premiercollectibles.com slash bream. I'll sign one for you. Um, but otherwise, all your traditional retailers should have it. Okay. I want to thank Shannon Breen for being with us. Uh, wonderful uh, anchor and reporter for Fox News, doing great work for them. But more importantly, someone who says, look, I'm, I'm an intelligent, articulate, smart gal. Uh, I'm a lawyer and I'm a, a journalist, but I'm also a woman of faith. And I want to share the story of so many other women of faith through this book. I'm encouraging our listeners, our watchers to get the women of the Bible speak. But Shannon, just uh, thank you for your willingness to uh, articulate your own beliefs without fear, because you know, at the end of the day, you and I are going to die. We're going to go stand before God who says, uh, what do you know and what do you share? And you have shared so beautifully, so openly, not just your intelligence, but your faith and you're a gift to us. Thank you, Shannon. Monsignor, thank you. God bless you. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to me at Personally Speaking Podcast at gmail.com. To listen to past episodes of Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Don't forget, please, to click the like and subscribe buttons. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also get past episodes by going to www.closeencountertv.com and clicking on the radio button at the top of the page. If you want to also get past shows and Monsignor Jim Lasanti's weekly homilies, go to www.ollmp.org. 
and uh, you will see not just past shows, but also, as I mentioned, a weekly homily. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.